unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen's Sports Talk. And coming up on this episode, it'll be my pleasure to welcome back to the show WKMG News 6 Sports Director Jamie Say. We'll talk about her radio call, The Curable, her Buffalo Bills. UCF and more. Jamie's standing by in the virtual green room and will join us in just a few moments. Boy, talk about the wild finish in the National Football League uh, between the uh, Patriots and the Raiders. Tie score at the end of the game. Patriots run a last play. They do a lateral and then not having game presence. They throw another lateral across the field that was picked off, so counts as a fumble, and returned for a touchdown by the Raiders to avert overtime and snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. My goodness gracious. You know, you got to have him. Is this a Belichick thing? Did he make an error not telling his team, hey, if it's not there, just down the ball, we go to overtime. That's all you have to do. <laughs> oh, crazy, crazy stuff as far as that goes. And here's one of my pet peeves in the NFL. And I know I'm a Cowboys fan, and I know you're going to say, well, yeah, yeah, whatever. But I find it very interesting, the Cowboys, and they probably wouldn't be getting this if they hadn't lost to Jacksonville. But they were given so much grief about having to rally to beat the Houston Texans before and even more after the Jacksonville game. Where my issue is, the Texans took the Chiefs to overtime. Nobody's talking about that. They're not getting any grief for that. So what's the difference? It's the the very heavy side of the media that hates the Dallas Cowboys. Stephen A. Smith or screaming a Smith as I prefer to call him. So it is such interesting how the inequities of the talking heads and the hot take artists are where that is concerned. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show WKMG News 6 Sports Director Jamie Say. I got to bring her into some Springsteen, of course, because uh, she has seen more concerts than anybody I've ever known of the boss. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen a couple. I've got three more coming up in the new year in 2023 because he and the E Street Band are going on tour. They're stopping in Orlando early on in February. So I'll see him in Tampa, Orlando, and my hometown of Albany, New York this year. So oh, that's outstanding. That's outstanding. So, uh, yeah, you will, you'll be hitting the road uh, hard for sure. So that's Absolutely. good. Yep, stuff. I will. <laughs> All right. So first, uh, let's talk about the, the recently concluded Curable, which, of course, you are the national radio voice for. Another outstanding job on your part uh, there. Uh, and, you know, a top 25 matchup with uh, UTSA and uh, Troy. Yeah. Um, what, a, yeah. What, a, what, a, what an interesting uh, ball game that was. It, it was interesting. It was interesting because, um, you know, these two teams came in with identical records. They were both 11 and two. They were both on 10 game winning streaks. Um, you know, UTSA 
uh, who's going to the American Athletic Conference next year. You know, they're they were the Conference USA champions, Troy the Sun Belt champions. Sun Belt is always really good. Um, but you know, both of these teams wanted to make a case as they're, you know, one of the best in the group of five outside of probably Tulane, right? Because Tulane's going to the Cotton Bowl. Um, but they were fighting for the right to say, hey, we're we're right up there. And it was an interesting game because UTSA came in with one of the highest scoring offenses in the country. They averaged almost 39 points a game, whereas Troy had this incredible defense. And the defense won out. You know, it was it was a very interesting game. We've seen some crazy cure bowls the last couple of years with back and forth scoring, coming down to the wire. Even one went into overtime two years ago. This year was a lot different. It was not a clean game. Um, UTSA committed four turnovers and committed a lot of penalties, and that allowed Troy to win the game. And it was a low scoring one. It was eighteen to twelve. Uh, both offenses struggled to at the start to score points and then finally the roadrunners put one in and we expected that but then they started making mistakes and troy pretty much made mistake free played mistake free football for the most part in terms of turnovers and fewer penalties and troy won the game it was interesting though like i think if they played 10 times I think UTSA would probably win like six out of the 10 or seven out of the 10. It just, they just beat themselves, but it was, it was fun. Both teams that came here to Orlando, you know, were really into it, really into the festivities. I mean, what the Cure Bowl is all about is awesome. You know, A, its mission is to raise money and awareness in the fight against cancer. And every player that plays in the game is on board with that. And they talk about it. Um, you know, so that's priority number one. And then the second priority for the bowl is obviously to put on a good show, bring two good football teams together, which they did. And then the third priority is treat these conference champions who come to Orlando to a memorable time. And, you know, seeing video on social media of these teams as they prepared for the curable, you know, doing the extracurricular activities looked like they had a blast, you know, when they were going to Universal you know, they stay on universal property, they do charity events, and they seem like they were all in. So I think it was a success. You know, I, I really do. The game may could have been a little bit smoother. It was funny because, you know, it's one, it's the second earliest bowl game of the season. It was bowl number two. You know, it seemed like these teams were a little rusty. Um, at least UTSA was. But, uh, but it was still fun. It was still fun. I mean, it was still dramatic because it was a one score game and and the roadrunners had a chance to win at the uh towards the end and and they they couldn't do it um so so it was interesting i'm i'm rooting for utsa though to become that next group of five team to make some noise you know they that's their goal they're still a young program um just over 10 years old in fbs so i'm rooting for utsa and and then troy came in with a lot of tradition you know over a hundred years of playing football with some big wins under their belts against power fives and uh you know they kind of got back to where they belong in terms of the smaller programs so it was fun i mean i it was a lot of fun and yeah. and, and i i know i'm rambling on about this but it's one of my favorite experiences about the cure bowl is you see these group of five teams that maybe you don't pay attention to during the regular season, and maybe you should, but you learn about them. You learn about the cultures of both programs, and it really opens to your, your eyes to what else is out there and how many good football players there are. 
um, out there across the country, no matter what level. Yeah, I found it interesting in the game, too. Um, it looked like in spots it was getting a little chippy, and I've kind of noticed that in some other bowl games, too, recently. And, of course, we know, you know, what was it, a year or two ago, Tulsa and, and Ole Miss had a had a dramatic scuffle after the game. Um, is there anything you can attribute that kind of thing to? Like, are they tired of seeing each other all week or something? Well, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I think – you know, we did see that, and it was towards the end of the game. I honestly think it was frustration on UTSA's part. Um, it was a physical game. It was a physical game. Both teams were bullies up front, you know, stopping the run. Um, you know, UTSA's defense was not highly touted coming in. It probably should have been because um, they got to Troy's quarterback several times and had um, – at least 10 tackles for losses. Um, so it was really physical up front. And when those two lines come together and, and things are happening, you know, tempers flare. I, I honestly do think it was UTSA's frustration um, taking over uh, the fact that they turned the ball over four times. You know, they they start to drive, they get something going and maybe there was an interception or a fumble. Um, there was another play I remember late late in the game and um it was on a i think it was on utsa's last offensive drive really their last chance to perhaps win the game and uh the quarterback frank harris was running out of bounds and he got hit could have been called a late hit but there was no call and uh the roadrunners were upset about that and that kind of carried over into the rest of the plays and then yeah, I, I, I just think I just think it was frustration. We don't know what's being said between the lines. <laughs> you know, if there's some smack talk by both teams. But it also shows how much the teams that come into this bowl care and how much they want to win. You know, they want you know, that's the that's the cool thing I think about the cure bowl. It's like none of these players entered the portal and skipped the bowl. They all played in it. Um, you know, this was not a game to be dismissed by either program, by players from either teams. And, you know, they wanted to win and, and you know, frustration boiled over on, on the side of the losing team. That's for sure. Yeah. And of course, what this game presents for you is you get to exercise in a, a different skill than your normal day to day broadcasting. Uh, tell me a little bit about, you know, you know, the average fan probably thinks you just show up and talk about what you see. <laughs> Tell me more about the preparation that goes into this. Yeah. I mean, doing play-by-play is hard. I mean, it is hard. Um, So, you know, I get maybe one game a year. I get the Cure Bowl. And um, and that's it. That's my foot. That's my one football game after the Apollo season ended, uh, you know, which cut short. I get I get one game. I get the cure bowl. But it there is a lot of preparation. It's hours and hours of preparation. And the preparation basically starts when you find out what the matchup is. You know, early on, it's just a little bit of research into what these teams are about. Okay, all right, it's Troy UTSA. All right, I knew they were, you know, hovering around the top 25, but how good are they? Um, What are they about? And then you you kind of scratch the surface, you know, in the early times after the bowl matchup is announced. But then, you know, I, I pretty much start preparing about six or seven days in advance Tuning into Zoom calls, you know, when when the teams have media availability on their campuses before they move operation to Orlando. And then uh, it's just a lot of research. You get a spot chart done. 
and memorization of these players. You know, it's like you're you're learning to brand new teams. You know, I mean, UCF, Florida, Florida State didn't play any of these teams, didn't play Troy, didn't play UCSA. So it's like you really have to study and figure out, all right, <clears throat> these are the key players that should, that you anticipate making plays in this game. And and for both teams, it was kind of obvious. It was like, all right, you know, you knew the quarterbacks, you knew the running backs because they pretty much just ran one guy. Both teams ran one guy in the backfield with the quarterback. And then each team had pretty much three receivers um, because <clears throat> UTSA actually came in with a lot of injuries and some of their key guys were, were out and some tight ends on offense. But then defensively, any guys can make a play. And UTSA had a really deep rotation um, on the defensive line and in the secondary. So any of these guys can make plays. And for Troy, the secondary made plays. They were they were picking off passes. They were recovering fumbles. So it's just, it's just a lot of study and prep work. And you want to know each team as well as you can. Like you've been covering them all season, even though you're like cramming the whole week and it, and it's like cramming for an exam and then you get there and you do it and I always try and brush up on my play-by-play terminology and kind of calm myself down a little bit and listen to other broadcasters just so I get into that mode because it's so different from what I do at channel six you know it's like and then for a football game especially a college football game it's like it's four hours of talking <laughs> it's- <laughs> four-hour broadcast so it's like okay you have to get your stamina up you got to be ready you got to bring energy and it's almost like playing in a football game it's like if you botch a call just move on to the next play you know it's that's kind of how it is and you know I still feel I'm very much a rookie doing it because you know I I do it once a year so it's just I I feel like the first five minutes you knock the rust off and then you kind of get into a groove and then by the second half and when the game comes down to the wire, that's when you're you're starting to really you, you're in a groove and you're fine. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot to it, and it but it's a lot of fun. It's exhilarating, especially uh, especially like when you had a game like it was last year between uh, Coastal Carolina and Northern Illinois, when the teams were going just touchdown for touchdown. Yeah. Um, so, and then you have to know all the rules. You you have to know where to look on the field. Like if you divert your eyes for one second, there might be a flag somewhere. You didn't see it and you're missing something key. Um, you know, you might, you might miss the fact that the refs are going to review a play because you're not sure exactly what's going on. You know, they're not, nobody's telling you. Um, so, so it's, it's hard, it's hard, but it's fun. And, and the work that you put in is well worth it. Yeah, and of course, you know, the, you also have to be able to get the analyst room to do do their yeah. thing, too. So there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of moving parts, that's for sure. Yes, yeah. And and um, Landry Burdine was my color guy for the second year in a row. And he's great. He's from TCU. We played at TCU. So he's fired up for this season. Um, but he's great. You know, he brings a ton of energy and knowledge and everything like that. So I lean on him. I mean, I, I lean on him <laughs> to, uh, you know, I'll just, I'll just call out a play and he'll break it down and, and then I'll, I take over again. Awesome. Great job as always. And, and, and of course, everything about the curable, yeah, obviously you, you stated, you know, what their mission is and what they do. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a huge benefit for this community for sure. Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, like on the surface, uh, you know, in comparison to the other bowls here, which are terrific, you know, you got the cheese it bowl and then you've got the cheese at citrus bowl, which are bringing in great teams. I mean, Florida state, Oklahoma is going to be, 
super fun. And then, well, Purdue and LSU, you know, those are high profile teams from the power five. You may, you know, fans, uh, ordinary fans who don't follow UTSA and Troy might look at the Cure Bowl and be like, oh, well, you know, they're just two small schools. We're not interested. But if you go, you will be entertained <laughs> by this Cure Bowl. Like, it, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And um, I think it's great that Orlando has three bowl games. Not many communities do. I think, you know, Dallas, you know, I think it's Dallas and us, um, you know, are the ones that that have – more than two bowl games. I could be wrong, but, uh, you know, Dallas, Arlington, Fort Worth area and Orlando, you know, there's a reason for it. I wish the community came out a little bit stronger for the Cure Bowl, but it's hard because the regular season and the conference championship just ended. People are getting ready for Christmas. You know, then there's the other bowl games coming up. Um, But it's, but like, it's really fun. And they play it at Exploria Stadium, the soccer stadium, and it's a perfect venue for it. It's intimate. There's great seats. It's comfortable, easy in and out. So, like, I just I hope somebody, you know, if, if people are watching this and they haven't been in Cure Bowl, consider it for next year because I've been to all of them and I've been entertained by every single one of them. Outstanding. And, of course, speaking of the bowl season, uh, UCF making their way to the Military Bowl next week. Yeah. I'm making that road trip myself to go freeze in Annapolis. Uh, well, yeah, that'll be fun. You know, it's funny. We're not, unfortunately, we're not going. Um, and it has to do with budgetary reasons because of the hurricanes. <laughs> because the station had to spend so much on on the, our hurricane coverage, you know, our budget is a little strapped. So, so unfortunately, we won't be traveling with UCF, but I really wanted to go. Um, I've never seen Annapolis before. Um, and, you know, I think... I think there's been enough time, you know, a lot of things have happened with UCF in the last month, right? Um, you know, losing to Navy in the regular season then losing in the conference championship to Tulane and some guys, you know, entering the transfer portal, the, the coordinators leaving UCF, a lot of things have happened, but I think for the guys who stuck around, you know, there's some serious senior leadership, senior leaders and and guys who are coming back, you know, who have really invested in the program that I think, you know, they want to play well in this bowl game. You know, they understand. They understand what they're playing for. And Duke's a great matchup. I, I mean, it's not going to be easy. Not going to no. be easy to win. Yeah, I see. Yeah, because like on paper, they, you know, average about the same amount of points per game and about the same amount of points given up per game. And <laughs> yes. so, so it could be a track meet or it could be, you know, 14 to 10. <laughs> yeah, it, it could be. It could be like I. Yeah. You know, I think I think it, uh, you know, one thing and that's a positive is that I think John Rice Plumley will be as healthy as he's been. And uh, when he's healthy, it's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. And, you know, um, you know, Duke might not be used to, you know, that kind of dual threat who's so who's so quick and shifty and speedy. I mean, I, I know they've faced dual threat quarterbacks before, obviously, and there are great quarterbacks in the ACC. But, you know, John Rice is a little different. You know, he, he's a different dual threat guy because he's so little, you know, and mm-hmm. and he's hard to track down. He's hard to tackle. And he's got this will to succeed, you know, and and go for those extra yardage uh, yards. So I think it'll be fun. I I hope UCF is up for it. I, I hope they make I hope to make it. It would be great to get a tenth win for the Knights. Yeah, and of course you mentioned you know John Rice being pl- being healthy is, is is really key because he really wasn't healthy in the last legs of the season, and oh. you know and you know thank God Mikey Keene was there to help save the day a few times. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But 
but you know, when John Rice is healthy, it's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. It really is. Teams, ha- I mean, the one thing is teams will game plan for him now because they know it's going to be him and there will be no question whether it's going to be Keen or, or Plumley, obviously. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how the Knights have handled the practices for the bowl prep and everything like that and, and getting their receivers who are still there involved, you know? I mean, Javon Baker's great, you know, like just – I, I hope they open it up, um, you know, so and I'm looking forward to R.J. Harvey, see what he can do, too, you know, and because I think I think he's got the potential to be great. I really do. Yeah. We'll see what happens. But, you yeah, know, no. with you know, Bowser, you know, leaving and everything like that, you know, Harvey might be might be the guy next year. Yeah, I think he's going to be a very special player myself. Yeah, yeah, totally yep. agree with you there. Um, what did you make of Mikey Keene's decision not to burn his red shirt. I mean, this is a very interesting time in college football with, with you know, the red shirts, the yeah. NIL, the transfer portal, all that good stuff. It it was huge, and you know, it's you know, he was a good soldier the whole the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole time he was here, he was a good soldier, and you know, sometimes you do have to be selfish. He knew that his future was not UCF. Um, you know, after being the starter for the majority of last year, you would think, okay, you know, I, this job is mine. Well, it wasn't. And John Rice was coming back next year. They've got Thomas Castellanos waiting in the wings. You know, you know, Mikey knew that that his future was not UCF, so he had to be selfish. Um, and I, I don't blame him. I mean, it's college football is tricky now, isn't it? Mm. You know, it's there's there's a more degree of selfishness and less loyalty. But again, I don't blame Mikey for not making himself available. You know, he, you know, maybe that's not being a team player. Um, Well, you could look at it. You could also look at it like, well, you know, UCF never really fully committed to me. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So it's like, yeah, it was a tough spot. And, you know, I'm sure, Gus didn't want to play him all those times, but, but he had to, mm-hmm. you know, he had to, you know, you know, and, and Gus knew the reality that when he was going to, when he picked John Rice to be the starter this season, I'm sure he knew that Mikey was going to be out of there by the end, you know, at the end of the season mm-hmm. that, you know, uh, you know, that's, that's just the way it is. So I'm sure Gus didn't want to go through those games, um, but he had to because John Rice got injured. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I I don't blame my guy. I I hope he does well. He just announced, you know, he's committing to Fresno State. It's closer to home for him. I hope he does well. You know, he was a very nice young man. I thought he always represented himself and UCF really well. Well Well-spoken kid, you know, and played hard. And he he wanted to do well. He wanted to win and everything like that. And he didn't give up. He didn't quit on the team. He didn't walk away when he didn't win the job. You know, he stuck with it the whole time and then came in and, you know, understood his role and, you know, just decided to to be selfish the the one time. And I, I don't blame him for that. Yeah. And yeah. for the big games he won here, he'll never have to buy you know, an adult <laughs> beverage when he becomes an adult. <laughs> he beat the Gators. He beat the Florida Gators. He had the pass. You know, he had the pass to, to Ryan O'Keefe to beat the Florida Gators in the Gasparilla Bowl last year. So, 
And yeah. he beats and he beat Cincinnati. <laughs> so. he beat Cincinnati, yes, absolutely. Beat Cincinnati, beat the Florida Gators. He did well. You know, he was totally thrown into the fire last year. Crazy. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, like I, I wish uh I you know, like for his for his sake, like it would have been awesome had he come back uh, you know, this much better, you know, where he would have left no doubt and and he would have won the job. But I really believe, you know, he the the competition was fair and square between him and John Rice Plumley, and Plumley brings a different element and maturity, um, you know that that Gus liked, and I, I like John Rice too. You know, I think he's represented represented UCF really well, and uh, when he's been good, he's been really good. Mm, no question. Yeah. All right, of course, one of the things that we have to do when you're on the show <laughs> is talk about the Buffalo Bills. Nice. Yes. <laughs> They're pretty good. Yeah, they're pretty, pretty good. Yeah. So, so tell, uh, give me your thoughts on their on their eleven and three season thus far. Well, it's been phenomenal. And like when you think about their losses, you know they they lost to the Dolphins by two. Uh, they lost to the Vikings. Um, gosh, in overtime after crazy happenings at the end, a game they should have won mm-hmm. because they were in control of it. You know, that was a lesson. You know, they lose to the Jets, who I don't think they were prepared to play um, that day. But it was close. You know, all their three losses have been close. They, uh, I was at that Miami game in Miami, and it was really, really hot. <laughs> it was really hot, and it was a big factor. So I think the Bills are good. They're getting healthier. They're going to miss Von Miller in the playoffs because he's he's got that experience of winning it all. And he is that closer that the announcers talk about all the time that when, you know, uh, the defense needs to make a play, that's his time to step up in the fourth quarter. But Josh Allen looked terrific, I thought, against the Dolphins this past Saturday. I thought, you know, because he he hurt his elbow in the loss to the Jets, and that took a toll for about three weeks. But, um, and when they were having, like, games and kind of, close what proximity or whatever, you know, they, they lose to the jets and then, you know, they had a game pretty quickly after that. And then the, uh, what the Thanksgiving game that was all snowed out and everything like that. They had some Thursday games and everything like that, but Josh Allen, I feel is healthy. He was flinging the ball and that drive, the game running drive against the dolphins this past Saturday was perfect. (laughs) And uh, yeah. And it's just like, they still have a lot of tape to look at and things to correct, but they're correctable things, you know, stopping the run, you know, Raheem Mostert got around on the outside pretty easily, um, but he's really good. So it's just like things that are correctable. I think they'll shore up their defense against the run because in the beginning of the season, it was really good. Um, it's sputtered a little bit, but no, I'm excited. I'm excited. Josh Allen made the pro bowl today. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I'm just really excited. I'm looking for, you know, their, uh, Dave Davis to step up a little bit more, have some more targets thrown to him, you know, have him targeted a little bit more. He's outstanding. Stephon Diggs is a pro bowler. He's having a great season. And, um, you know, their tight ends are really good. Like, I'm really excited. <laughs> I'm really, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. They've won 11, in ga- 11 games or 11 and three, you know, they got the Bears this week that should be a winnable game. And then after that, they've got Cincinnati, which is going to be tough. So that'll be that'll be a telling game because it'll be kind of a it'll be a playoff game um, pretty much in the regular season. And then they finish up with the Patriots. So 
Um, so they've got some big games, but, you know, handle their business against the Bears like they should. Get ready for the Bengals, and that'll be interesting. And then and then we'll see. But I hope they get that bye week. And, uh, you know, I hope they get the number one seed. I hope they get the bye week. And then I hope they're hosting games in Buffalo. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's brutal. Yeah, that, that that is tough for the opposition, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, and I guess there's really no shame in losing to the Vikings because they win all sorts of crazy football it's, games. <laughs> it's been nuts. Yeah, the Vikings have been nuts. I mean, they're the comeback kids. It's it's weird. I mean, Kirk Cousins, give, oh my gosh, he's had a terrific season. Just, you know, I think his best season ever. I mean, just what he's been able to do. And yeah, they don't give up. They don't give up. So yeah. it's interesting <laughs> because they, 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 their point differential for and against is two. It's two, <laughs> yeah. but they've won 11 games, which you can't win 11 games by accident. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. They don't give up, you know, um, yeah, gosh, that that Bills Vikings game too. As soon as Dalvin Cook made that big run for the touchdown, I'm like, okay, here we go. Mm. This is, you know, the Bills did the Bills didn't slam the door again. It was a good lesson. You know, when you're up by that much, slam the door, don't let up. <laughs> so I don't know, but I'm I'm really excited. You know, I I think Josh Allen is throwing the ball really well. He's made really good decisions the last couple of games. So. I'm excited, and and you know, and you never know, you know, uh, if if chalk holds, you know, depending on how the seedings and all that work out at the end. I mean, you could be looking at another, you know, Chiefs matchup in the playoffs. I mean, probably, that, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Like what I'm hoping is because the Dolphins do scare me a little bit, um, because like Jalen Waddle in both games has had like long touchdowns. It's just like, oh gosh. Yeah, so I'm right now. It looks like the Dolphins would play, face the Chiefs in the playoffs. They're on that track, so I hope it stays that way. And then, and yeah, I mean, maybe the Bills will get the Chiefs. Knock on wood, if they make it to the AFC Championship, maybe the Bills get the Chiefs in Buffalo this time, and not in Kansas City. Although Buffalo hasn't played poorly in Kansas City, right? No, <laughs> they've beaten them. So, but yeah, I would I would love it if it was in Buffalo. Yeah. But I'm I'm optimistic, and then we'll see what happens. Uh, should they get to the Super Bowl, whether it's the uh, the Eagles or the Niners, those are my two picks from the yeah. Eagles or Niners. So yeah, <laughs> it, it, of course I'm a Cowboys fan, so I you know, and I and I'm just like so oh. pessimistic about even though they've won ten games, I'm still very pessimistic. <laughs> yeah, you never know with the Cowboys though. Like that's the thing, you never like who would have seen that. This past weekend coming, you know, against the Jags. But, you know, the Cowboys are good, and it's football. It's hard to win football games. You never know. You never know. Yes. So, I, heard a, yeah. I heard a great phrase by the, actually the Cowboys great play-by-play guy, Brad Sham. It okay. says, last week is never meant this week, and they're never going to meet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a very good point. It's a very good point. So who do the Cowboys have this weekend? Uh, they have the Eagles. Oh, okay. There we go. Yeah. So <laughs> interesting, and, and that'll be dependent on Jalen Hurts' availability uh, yeah. for the mm-hmm. Eagles. Uh, but yeah, that's a tall order. Uh, it's in Dallas, so okay. Well, we'll see. <laughs> I think Dallas will win it. I do. I, th- I think they'll win it. You know, is yeah. I, I do. I think. I think the Cowboys will win on their home on their home turf. All right, I'm, bank, I'm banking on that. Thank you. I do. No, I, I do. Yep. Even though I, you just told me who they were playing. Yeah, no, I, no they're going to win. That's yeah. right. So, well, <laughs> Yeah, I think after last week, they might be a little salty. So that, that... 
Well, you hope they are. Yeah. You hope they are, right? Yeah. I mean, that was just, yeah. Well, it was funny because the Bills lost to the Jags last year. And uh, I was at that game. And, uh, and it was just like, oh, man. But it was a wake-up call. Um, it was a wake-up call. And, the, and then they had a really good run in December and made it all the way to the AFC Championship. And it's 13 seconds away from <laughs> the Super Bowl. So, well, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, Jamie, I always appreciate you coming on the show anytime I ask. You, you, you're, you're, you're great. I appreciate you doing that. And, uh, and of course, I want to wish you and yours a very, very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Well, thank you, Jeff. I always enjoy coming on your show. I always enjoy our conversations about UCF and the Cure Bowl and the Bills and football and everything. And you have a Merry Christmas and a, and a Happy New Year. And, and uh, let's hope we're toasting UCF. You know, that's that's the bowl game I'm looking forward to that and the Florida state game. And, and uh, yeah, I, I hope UCF gets it done against Duke. All right. Sounds good. Jamie. Thanks again. Thank you, Jeff. All right. Before we get out of here, uh, not going to do a TV theme this time around. I uh, just uh, want to pay homage to my dad, Roy Barton. He passed away back on December the 8th and after a long illness and, uh, one of the things I just wanted to say to honor my father was that he was not my biological father, but he was my dad in every sense of the word and more. So dad pops, may you rest in peace. And of course it's the holiday season. So however you celebrate the holiday season, I wish you the best seasons, greetings, happy new year. That's upon us. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Uh, throughout the course of the season. Greatly appreciate it. And again, happy holidays, season's greetings, Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah. And to anybody I left out of the way your faith is celebrating Christmas, I wish you the very, very best during this holiday season. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Allen underscore 88, on Facebook at Jeff Allen 88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.